everyone, welcome to the Snapcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jerry. And this is episode 172? Crap, I forgot what episode we're even on right now. Well, we're in the 170s, so that's good. And today we're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle-Earth. It is pre-release weekend, and uh, everybody's buying collector booster boxes. That's the only way to put it, right? Like, everyone is searching for that mythical one-of-one ring currently standing at a 2 million euro bounty and a free trip to Spain. But before we get into all of this, as always, Jerry, how have you been? What have you been up to? I'm good. Uh, I just played in an RCQ today, fresh off of missing cut the top four. It was a 12-person RCQ, and I finished fifth, uh, lost out on breakers. Oh, man, that's tough. Well, what were you playing? Pioneer. I was playing Lotus Field. I lost okay. both games to Mono Green, and I was wishing that Karn the Great Creator was banned. <laughs> Ramp yeah. decks. Traditionally a deck you prey on playing combo, except when they get access to Karn the Great Creator. Yeah, that is true. I mean, being able to open up your sideboard and pretty much having uh, up to like 13 to 15 additional cards at your disposal really makes it difficult for you when it comes to playing uh, these formats. Right. No, uh, my two losses, they were all in game three, so I, I played them hard. Played them, I played them fast. I wasn't loose, making no misplays. Uh, the matchups, I you know, the matches I did win, each one of them, I turned three'd. Like, I did the thing. I went, you know, turn one, Arbor, you know, turn one, uh, Arboreal Grazer, turn two, Lotus Field, turn three, Thespian Stage, tap the field for three blue, pay two to cycle the Vizier, untap it, tap it, copy it, play, uh, play the uh, hidden strings, untap, tap, play, pour over the pages, let's go to town. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's Lotus Combo right there in a nutshell for anybody. So uh, hope hope you're taking notes in case you're curious about playing it. Yeah, watch, watch me, watch me pop. Uh, none of my games went to time, so those losers who go to time, you're bad at magic. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, as for me, I've been gearing up for uh, the Energy Chicago series. Going to be going out to play some modern. And uh, I'm on a new deck, uh, something I would say that is outside of my wheelhouse in a way. Normally, I'm a ramp or combo player, but uh, today or next week, I'm going to be playing more of a tempo deck in the form of Is It Scam? I mean, is it a scam? Who knows? <laughs> right? Um, for, for those that don't know, uh, you are very familiar with Rakdos Scam, with uh, Feigned Death and uh, Undying Malice. But in Is It Scam, we get access to our own two pieces of Scam. And Jerry, you got to play this at FNM a little bit. And what were your thoughts on the Is It Scam list? So first thing, it put me, it gave me my third 3-0, put me my third point. So I'm in second at my LGS's uh, points race. And I am, you know, being second with only playing at half of them is freaking great. But anyways... Uh, is it scam? I went 3-0. I beat Rakdos scam. I beat is it Merktide, and I beat Living End. So you got to show the scam deck that a hey, scam isn't reserved for just Rakdos. Is it can also utilize the scam uh, shenanigans, if you will. Right, and I'm convinced that is it does it better. Yeah, no, um, and I, I have to agree because having the ability, yes, we have hand disruption. And uh, Racto scam, right? We have um, removal, but we also have removal as well. And we have tempo, we have counter. And being able to control the pace of the game that way. And instead of scamming out a grief, we get to scam out a subtlety instead. Yes. Uh, matter of fact, game one against the Rakdos player, I went turn one, 
you know, I, I had I had the scan play of subtlety, fire ice, and uh, flip out the back. So I went turn one spiral of canal pass. He goes, tries to grief me. I'm like, subtlety, slip out the back. Show me the bolt. No bolt. Sits on the borders of it sits on the borders of four four because it phases out. You know, gets the plus one plus one counter. And then I top deck Ragavan and just punch in with a dash Ragavan. He ended up taking a whopping uh, six damage that turn, and then previously paying three for the other one, putting him down to eleven, giving me a treasure and putting him way out of the game. Nice. So yeah, um, being able to have those uh, those tools is fantastic. Um, we will not be posting an episode next week. Um, it has been, I would say, probably about three weeks to a month since our last episode. I would anticipate that as our normal regular release, but we'll try to get one out as soon as possible after um, I get back from Energy Chicago so I can talk about that. I plan on playing the entire time, regardless of what my record is, just to get the reps in and also to get as much uh, information, I would say, about this deck as possible. And um, it, I mean, it has some of, the, some of the same utilities, right? Access to Blood Moon, being able to punish your multicolored decks, having the counter spells, having the uh, just that tempo suite is really what I think makes this deck stand out more so than the Rakdos scam. Getting to play Expressive Iteration. Yes, one of the most busted <laughs> cards. Probably my biggest mistake was not playing Expressive Iteration and not playing probably some copies of Moldrifter. Probably my biggest mistakes. Okay. Uh, what were you playing instead of Expressive Iteration? Fire Ice. Oh, okay. I was I was pure tempo. I gotcha. played Fire Ice. I played Prismari Command. Uh, I played Force of Negation. I was going as free as possible. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's a fantastic avenue, and that's one thing I really like about the Is It, the is it Scam list is we're able to do that. It doesn't give me the exact same vibes of um, Splinter Twin, but the tempo aspect of it definitely kind of brings some uh, old memories back. Right. It does some pretty obnoxious lines. Uh, the only mistake, the only other thing is I think I would cut two of my four season Pyromancers and turn them into Mold Drifters. I think the the value of being having since we're playing scamming in blue, why are we not scamming this card? Like on turn four, if you have your fourth mana, you know, evoke your mole drifter and then bounce it up with essence flux to get it back as a two-two flyer that just drew you four cards. That's a burial. Like yeah. that is what that is something I should have been aiming for. It's a lot more pliable to do that than season pyromancer because of the discard the cards cost part of it. Yeah. So I that take that one. Play two mole drifters. Okay. All right. I'll definitely keep that in mind because yeah, I've been talking with uh, Sean a little bit about tuning the deck a little bit better because it is still very new. Uh, in fact, it is so new there. Are, I think for the longest time, there's only one video on YouTube that actually showed any play of it. And I think there's maybe been one, maybe two others that have popped up showcasing this deck. So if you have not seen it, definitely take a look, see what this deck has. Um, if you're going to a major event, uh, I would say be ready for it because it is starting to pick up steam. There ain't nothing to be ready about. It's gonna kill you if it does its thing. <laughs> I did that. To the, I did that to the Is It player, uh, the Is It Merktide player. I went. Hmm. Uh, we were going into game three, and my open. I lost game two, and my opening hand was Fury slip out the back red card. I went turn one four four double striker. Deal with it. He could not. Yeah. There's no getting. There's no getting ready for it. It's kind of like one of those things. Is like. You're starting to see the impact of these elementals. Like people are starting to to move back into the Orzhov version with reanimation tricks with Atraxa. So okay. it's becoming more and more apparent 
that we're starting to see these become problematic. Like yep. it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if in like a year the three bet three of the best decks in the format were variations of these scam decks. Yeah. Like they might have to look into they might have to look seriously at this cycle of cards and decide what do we what do we need to do? Do we ban the cycle or do we start hitting cards like Ephemerate, Feign Death, Slip Out the Back, Essence Splux, weird one mana blink cards. Yeah, that's one of the nice things I like about it too is like, again, we're going back because the the one effect we went all the way back to Shadows over Innistrad. We pulled an uncommon from that, and uh, in order to get our scam effect. And right. so, like again, we have not explored every possibility when it comes to modern. And I think that's one thing I really enjoy about the format of modern is even when you think it is stale and stagnant, all it takes is for someone to be like, oh wait, hey, this is a card. Let's see if we have one more. Oh, we do? Excellent. Let's use this now as a shell, and instead of going Rakdos, let's go Is It Colors instead, and we can do the exact same things. Yep. Because there was nothing new that got printed, right, that had this morph into Is It Scam? It was just a discovery. The newest, the newest card is Slip Out the Back from Streets of New Capenna, and that's yeah. Capenna's been about out for, what, a year now? So uh, it took a little time to catch it, but... That's it. Like Essence Flux is a real throwback, though. That is, like you said, an uncommon from Shadows. Yeah. Uh, it, and because of the way it reads, you think, "Oh, I would only play this in Spirits." No, it's just it's a one mana. It's a one mana blink. Like, yeah. oh, we can just do this thing. I can blink my. I can pay one mana, blink my Mold Drifter that's been evoked, and just draw a fresh grip. Or yeah. I can blink my Fury and repeat the effect if I need it. Yeah. Like, oh man. Yeah, it's a cool Primeval Titan you got there, but I just did six damage to it, man. Sorry. Thing yeah, is dead. Just, I just killed your titan. Deal with it. Yep. All right. But today, though, um, like I said, we're going to be talking about um, some of the cards that we enjoy out of the uh, Tales of Middle-Earth uh, set that just uh, had pre-release weekend. Because for those that aren't aware, this is a modern set, if you will. Um, the bottom foiling is different. And this is the key for those that are kind of new to Magic that are watching. Okay. The foiling, the little foil emblem on the bottom is a upside down triangle. Okay, that means that it is not standard legal. So this will not be that this is not a standard set, right? This isn't like Modern Horizons. Modern Horizons still had the uh, the oval one, I want to say. Right. But they're using this upside down triangle as a new symbol to be like, hey, this isn't going to be for standard. And they did say that this was going to be going into modern and then all other uh, eternal formats. So modern, commander, legacy, vintage, popper. All of that stuff, you'll be able to play these cards. Yes, this is effectively what I like to think is a fixed Modern Horizons three. Yes, best way, best way I could think of it. Not to not to take away from your analogy of the the set the the bottom symbols the tags because right. that's correct. No, that's one hundred percent correct. The the triangle tags going forward, not for standard, not for pioneer. It's for everything yep. else. Yeah, and the first card we're going to talk about here is a uh, Boromir, Warden of the Tower. So Boromir, Warden of the Tower, is a uh, three-mana human soldier, uh, two-and-a-white legendary creature. Um, where I see this coming in when it comes to modern is the humans deck, right? Uh, humans has uh, picked up, I would say, two very strong pieces now in the past two sets. Uh, I, can't, uh, I think Virgil was the first one, which gives humans ward. And now we have the ability to um, you know, just have a counter effect for your Cascade decks. So your Crashing Footfalls, your um, Glimpse of Tomorrow's, your Living Ends, it's just going to get hard countered now. Um, 
because of the ability on this. So having Viola ticked up to three and slamming this on the field with um, that zero mana spell on the, you know, uh, on the stack, you're going to counter it. And then oh. it also, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. And then um, another thing that I really like about it too is we also have the ability to protect our creatures with its sacrifice outlet, right? We can sacrifice Boromir and uh, all creatures we control gain indestructible and the ring tempts you. And we're going to yes. get into the ring here in a little bit. No more to it. You're talking about more of the old school multicolor humans, right? That is correct. Okay, I made a I made a misfire when I said that. I wasn't talking about that deck. However, you're right, so I'm not going to take that away from you. Okay. You're correct. Technically correct. The best type of correct. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I was thinking of a mono, like the actual humans deck that sees play online right now. The mono white, uh, shining shoal, chancellor of the annex humans. We're going to play as many free cards as we can and then play a couple of cheap white humans and, and get there. Uh, Boromir being the top end of the curve of that deck alongside Adeline Resplendent. Uh, also, getting the ability to tempt the ring on legendary creatures has become a very important theme of this set. So if you can find a card that matters in that deck, there's a lot of legendary creatures in white humans in modern. So yes. this card is probably the it, it tops out at the it's the best top end of that deck alongside Adeline for your given matchups. Adeline isn't going to do anything against your Cascade piles, but Boromir is going to shut them off. Yep. Uh, Our... three, tough, three toughness is also important because it gets around Bone Crusher Giant dead gone. Yep. All right. Uh, next card we want to talk about here, Jerry. You're very excited for this one. I'm not really excited for it. I just kind of accept that this is probably going into every copy of Hammer Time. Uh, we're talking about Forge Anew, correct? <laughs> um, I was talking about... Uh, oh, yes, Forge Anew is next. Okay. I, I had Reprieve pulled up here. I'm sorry. Okay, no, so, I'm just going I'm going straight down the mono-white list first. Yep. Yeah, no, I completely skipped Forge Anew. Uh, don't mind us over here. We're just... We're still getting used to the whole pulling up cards. But yes, Forge Anew, here we go. Uh, let's get this up. It is an absolutely beautiful card here. And beautiful, beautiful art. Boom. Beautiful yes. card. But boy, this you couldn't have printed a card specifically meant for hammer time any harder if you tried. Right? It's like, oh man, you, you blew up my Colossus hammer? Cool. Let me just uh let me get it back. Let me return it from the let me return the equipment from the graveyard to the battlefield and trigger my Sigarda's aid and Jimmy Jam it. On top of that. The first, as as long as it's your turn, you may activate equip abilities anytime you cast an instant. So you could have like a hammer that fell off and play this and then go into combat and swing. And now you know that the third line of text on this, paying zero to equip it to anything you want after blocks. Wow. Yep. <laughs> this is the, like, this, I'm not saying this is the second coming of Luris, but this is a 9 out of 10. Like Luris being the 10 out of 10. Yeah, this is absolutely fantastic. Um, now, how many copies do you think we're going to see, though, in the Hammer Time decks with it being at three? Do you think it's going to be four of, a two of? What are you looking at? Two? two? I yeah. think this is four. I think this is copies five and six of your uh, Pure Steel Paladin. Yeah. No, absolutely. This is just fantastic. Gives us everything we want when it comes as a Hammer Time player, right? Uh, being yes. able to get it out of the yard, equip at instant speed, and make that first equip cost zero mana. Everything we want. Um, and just like you said, right? Oh, okay. Uh, blockers, where is it more advantageous for me to slap this hammer on now? It's just right. nuts. 
or you can Thor's hammer and pass between creatures. Like, yeah, wow. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you couldn't have been more obvious if you tried. Yep, because for those that are new to the Hammer Time deck and when it comes to equipment, yes, you may do that mid-combat with this card. Like, you get access to Magnetic Theft without actually playing that bad card and stay in mono-white? All right! <laughs> Let's do it. All right, so next up now, now I can bring up Reprieve. Power creep. Power creep. Power yep. creep. So, obviously, this is a... A name, you know, a name pun based on Remand, the blue, the blue and one counterspell. Remand was counter target spell, return it to its owner's hand, then draw a card. This is just return target spell to its owner's hand, then draw a card. It's conditionally better in every way than Remand because it plays around anti counter magic. It beats Veil of Summer, it beats Cavern Souls, it does the thing you want it to do. Yep. And um, being able to get the card draw from it too, I think that definitely helps it with its two mana cost. Um, and for you uh, white players out there who enjoy your uh, your white counter spells, because th this is just going into that same tool, Mana Tide, and now being able to also Reprieve, and uh, the card just jumped down. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Mythic Spoiler is being Mythic Spoiler here. There we go. It is uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, but uh, if Splinter Twin ever comes back in the format, Remand, you have been replaced. <laughs> Yeah, you think Splinter Twin would go uh, three color at this point? It would play Teferi Time Raveler, yeah. Okay. You play, I mean, if you're already playing Teferi Time Raveler, you get Reprieve. That is true. Because, yeah, since then, like you said, we have gained some protection spells that prevent countering and items like that. But nothing says you can't just bounce it to the hand. Or... The, the the real case though is you know this is probably going into the sideboard of the mono white shining shoal deck, okay, as a just a clean answer to living end, yeah, or rhinos for two mana like they're not they aren't citing they're citing out force of negations so this is pretty much a nice little hey you're not playing force of negation against mono creatures gotcha right it's a nice get them on game two oh yes. All right, so that was Reprieve. Next up, we have our first of the Hobbits, if you will. Let's uh, wait for it to do what it does here. Perfect. All right, first Hobbit we have up here, Samwise the Stouthearted. Hey. So this guy is going to be insane with any Evoke Elemental from Modern Horizons 2. This is a great this is a great thing to do. So when he enters the battlefield, choose up to one target permanent card in your graveyard that was put from there from the battlefield this turn, return it to your hand, then the ring tempts you. The ring tempting you is just gravy on it. What you really want to do is just return solitude to your hand. Yeah. Yeah, being able to get solitude back. I mean, this almost reminds me of the uh the terrible loop we had with blue. What was that land card that you could pretty much just infinitely cycle cryptic command? Yeah, Mystic Sanctuary. That's it. Yeah, Mystic Sanctuary. It kind of reminds me of almost being able to do that. Granted, it won't be to that extent, but being able to just slam Samwise Gamgee and get that Solitude back, that's it's going to give some fuel bads, that's for sure. Yeah, Stoutheart, uh, the Stouthearted here is going to generate a lot of value in, again, these white base decks that really want it. Yeah, and one thing I like about it too is uh, Samwise does have Flash, so being able to do that like on an end-of-turn thing to catch your opponent is also going to be very handy to have as well. Yep. All right. So what do you want to 
What do we got up next on the docket, Jerry? Uh, we had Slip on the Ring, uh, Common. Slip on the Ring. Okay, yes. so we're still in white. And yep. um, white, I think, is one of the biggest winners when it comes to this set. Yeah, up and down rarities, uh, they hit it. They hit it hard. Uh, Slip on the Ring is a nod to Popper here. Uh, we don't know how powerful the ring tempting you is going to be in a format like Popper, where these commons that have this effect that keep doing this thing over and over again, we've seen that absolutely break the format to where the, the ban list doubled in size with initiative. And this is another card that easily lets you tempt the ring as well as work well with the ephemerate deck in the format. Because yeah. black, white, uh, Orzhov ephemerate is a super powerful deck in Popper right now. And if tempting you with the ring is worth it, then slip on the ring is going to be the card you want to be playing in that pile. Yep. Uh, what about other formats? You think other formats are going to take advantage of this, or just no? Uh, I mean, if you're commander, there's enough ring tempt you cards that are actually worth it for commander. From what I've seen, that this will probably, you know, obviously it'll go into that deck. Uh, beyond that, I don't see it being played anywhere else, but I could be wrong. Gotcha. Okay. So now we get into our first blue card, though, with Council's Deliberation. Let me get this one up. There we are. And Uncommon, too. And that, that's another thing I, I find interesting is a lot of, like, the better cards that we're going to be, or the cards that we think are better, right? Th this is just our opinion here um, and what we've seen and what we think, how it's going to impact. But like a lot of these cards really aren't. Oh, geez, even the image on a uh, mythic spoiler isn't that great for this card. So sorry about the uh, the clarity issues here. But um, you know, it's a lot of uncommons and commons. I think. Yeah. That really stand out. That's and that's that's a sign of a good set right there. If your power is splayed across the different uh the different rarities and not just all top heavy. Like I think we only have like one mythic we actually care about for constructed. Gotcha. All right. So council's deliberation. Where do you see this being good? So this is a me preparing for an expressive iteration ban. That's just got to happen, right? Like, it's been banned out of every format it's ever been legal in. Still somehow legal in modern, and it's literally played in the two most played decks in the format. Yeah. Council's Deliberation is a replacement for that. Uh, instant speed two mana draw card isn't very enticing, but whenever you scry, if you control an island, you may exile it from your graveyard, and if you do draw a card. So this makes copies of Consider a lot more powerful. Yep, and then if you have multiple copies of this in your graveyard already, and you get like that late game Consider, then in each one of them is going to trigger, correct? Yes, you're going to turn your Consider into an Ancestral Recall. Yeah, it's like you're just going to be drawing a whole bunch of cards at that point. So this is more of a holdover, like for the expressive iteration ban. Okay, so th this is an anticipatory. Right now, keep playing your expressive iterations, but if yeah, it does the catch better, the better card, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but gotcha. if it catches a if it catches a ban, this is going to probably slot right in there. Yep. And then um, I would say a counter spell that has been getting a lot of attention here, um, in the form of stern scolding. And uh, I do love the art on this card, just because it is uh, just Gandalf given the business right here. And that, but so Stern Scolding is one mana uh, uh, counterspell 
that counters target creature spell with power or toughness of two or less. Yes. And uh, this is fantastic. I would say in modern, it hits a lot of a uh, lot of main creatures, right? That we do have concerns of. Um, just to start naming off a few, you got you got your Ragavans, you have your Darcy's, uh, Dragon's Rage Channeler. Um, you have almost every creature out of Hammer Time that can catch. Of course, it's, uh, Mythic Spoiler being Mythic Spoiler again. Sorry, it scrolled. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, hitting almost every creature out of your. Um, your hammer time decks hitting every creature in burn it has a lot of usage but it's also limited usage in a way too jerry as you were talking uh off camera oh, it also yes. hits grief from uh scam too but there are other bigger creatures that maybe a different counter spell would be more viable right uh my expectations are tapered on this card uh counter target creature spell is not particularly good in modern uh generalized counter spell is a lot better Counter non-creature spell is a lot better because every deck in modern, for the most part, plays non-creatures. Even the decks, even the humans deck, you know, being able to spell pierce an aether vial has some value to it. Obviously, yeah. you're still going to side that out. But in the case of stern scolding, there's a lot of decks that this card just misses. Like it does absolutely nothing against indomitable creativity. It does absolutely nothing against living end. It almost does absolutely nothing against. Uh, against uh crashing footfalls yeah i can counter brazen borrower but after i petty thefted you so i got the value out of it anyways i still got two cards for my one so i'm my expectations are tapered i think this is a minor misstep okay. uh it's gonna see it probably see some sideboard play the decks that want it uh is it murktide would definitely want this especially on the like being on the play if you don't have ragavan having this out of the sideboard is like an answer to opposing ragavans darcy's and ledger shredders yeah. fine great that's you're getting big value one for one is fine one mana spell beating two mana spells is great uh it's it does have its hits uh like you know hitting you know going into the three mana range of creatures like yeah hitting season pyromancer is fine but they pay five and buy it back anyways to get two dudes out of it so it's not as good there misses omnath completely misses fury completely misses endurance so my expectations are tapered. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, that this is one um that is definitely going to be interesting to see where it lands. Um, it's a role player. It plays its role well. Yes. But let's not let's not say this is the second coming of Counterspell. Yeah. No. 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 Absolutely not because of the generalization, as you put it. But yeah, it is um definitely one to be mindful of. Uh, the next one we're going to be talking about here is already making waves in eternal formats here um very excited about uh our um no i don't think it's our first rare we're talking about but no it's it's our it's our third rare okay <laughs> but blue had no rares that's why we we feel like we've missed rares for yeah. a while gotcha okay yeah we did talk about them but orcish bowmasters all right orcish bowmasters here we got a two mana one one with flash when it enters the battlefield, and whenever an opponent draws a card except for the first card they draw in each of their draw steps, Orcish Bowmaster deals one damage to any target, and amass orcs one. Uh, for those that don't recall what amass is, is, so you get an orc army token, and it enters with a plus one, plus one counter. And then as you continue to amass, that orc army token gets additional plus one, plus one counters on it for each card they draw outside of that. And Legacy is where this is already seen 
um, a good hold-in, right? Uh, Legacy is all about cantripping for those who don't know, uh, a whole bunch of card draws and that. But even in modern, there are talks of getting um, this into a burning inquiry deck where you're forcing your opponent to draw three cards. <laughs> the return of Hollow One comes on the back and, of Orcish Bowmasters. Yeah, and then, right, for those who remember way back when Faithless Looting was still legal and uh, we had Hollow One decks running around, this could be a gateway to bring the blow off the dust on your Hollow Ones, sleeve them up, put them next to Orcish Bowmaster, and uh, beat face with some free, uh, free four force. So. Uh, my opinion on the card is I'm pretty sure this is a good sideboard card in, or even main deck, it, depending on how you want to play the format in uh, Scam. I think Rakdos Scam would enjoy this card. Uh, this is absolutely punishing in the mirror. You know, because, you know, Fable in the Mirror Breaker, like, oh, you're going to do this thing and draw some extra cards, or Season Pyromancer, draw some extra cards? Yeah, yeah. buddy, I'm going to beat the mirror with this. Or I'm going to beat the bad blue-white control deck. Or I'm going to pun- I'm gonna sit here and try to punish the, the red-blue Merktide deck. You know, there's this card has applications outside of just hollow one cheese. Like I'm, I'm gonna be real. I think this is a fine card. Good, another role player. I think the decks that want it will play it. This is easy side in, side out, alongside your, uh, alongside Dothy Voidwalker. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see this. I think it's got real legs. And one thing I really enjoy about it is its ability with flash. So they go to cast that um that um their first cantrip for the turn, just flash this in and boom, now you've got two creatures on the battlefield for the price, I mean for two mana. And right. that you get a you get a, a two two a token because it happens when it enters the battlefield. Yep. And you dealt two damage to their face and you've got a one one. Like that's decent value. Well, you you're gonna get a two two out of that because that orc so you're going to amass the orc, then they're going to draw the card, and then it gets another plus one plus one counter. Yes, it's going and to be a two. It's going to be a two two that, that already dealt two to their face with yep. a one one with the one one guy that with the ability. Yeah, like yes, please. Then then it creates awkward situations of like so if you don't have fury, how do you answer this? Do you kill the thing making the thing, or do you kill the token that they're just going to get back? Like right. it creates it creates bad it creates a lot of bad math situations. So yeah, yeah I'm. I think this card might actually be the the rare that finds itself in the most number of modern decks. Yep, I, I absolutely enjoy that. All right, next up, we have Voracious Felbeast. So this is my one and only, one of two, like big, like this is a commander hit right here. This is pretty wild. Being able to, uh, being able to have each, you know, when it enters the battlefield, each opponent sacks a creature. So this is a one-sided Fleshbag Marauder at six mana that gives you a 4-4 four, four body. And at a pod of four, you're going to get three food tokens. Yeah. We can do a lot with three food tokens in Commander. So this is kind of my nod to the format. Like, if you're trying to play the food deck or the Bahabit food deck in the format, this is your top end. You're going to want to play this card. You're going to want to blink this card. You're going to want to do this over and over again. Yep. Yeah, no, I absolutely enjoy this. Um, really, so currently I have two commander decks right now. Yes, that's right. I, I'm up to two. I built a colorless commander deck because I'm a degenerate. Um, but absolutely, um, a couple of my commander buddies, they're already eyeing this up. And they're like, is this something I should add? It's like, if you've got the room in your black deck for this, absolutely. Then start looking at what other food cards 
you can use to take advantage of these uh, generated food tokens. Or you just have this ability to gain life. Right. The the Abzan Halfling's food deck is looking pretty cool in that format. That might actually be my third commander deck buy. I might, yeah. I might, I'm looking real interested in it. All right. Next up, we have Lash of the Balrog here. And, of course, it gives us a terrible image because why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't they do that? Right. This is like but, one of the initial spoil uh, spoilers. It looks like here that they had somebody took a picture of it on a table, but on uh, a on a to- with a toaster, right? <laughs> I gotta get this. I gotta get this spoiler, but I gotta make the picture as bad as humanly possible. Right. All right. So we got a one mana sorcery here as an additional cost to cast this card. Sack a creature or pay four. Destroy target creature. So this card and the next card we'll talk about, I'll just tell you, I'll mention the name Nasty End. They both go into the same popper deck that, are, that is both making waves. It's the black, red, and black, white sacrifice decks. So okay. this is obviously super good in that. It's giving you the option to choose, you know, it gives you the option to sacrifice your shambling thing that makes the treasure token to destroy an important creature. Yeah, gotcha. that's, that- that's all. That's all that matters. Uh, it's the fact that it's a common that does this thing at sorcery speed for one mana in the deck that wants it. Okay, and I'll go ahead and pull up Nasty End now and show that one too. Nasty End is a little bit more varied here. Uh, if yeah. Black Red Sacrifice, people, like, this is pretty nuts in your Asmo Kitchen deck. Okay. Like, you, you can sac, like, so without going too far, there's another spoiler in the set. That makes the Asmo Kitchen deck turn into an Abzan pile rather than a Golgari pile. But this is a card that also goes in that deck because you can sacrifice your Asmo, draw three cards, and reanimate your Asmo with that special card we'll get to later. Yes. But that, and on top of that, it goes into the Popper deck as like more copies of Deadly Dispute. Gotcha. More, more drawing cards, sacrificing creatures, doing all the shit you want to do. I'm all of it. I'm all here for it. All right, and then uh, I think we have our first mythic. Our first up. and only mythic. Yes. Uh, I think. Have you you got it up? Yep. Okay, I think spiteful banditry is going to be the chase mythic of the set. Okay. I, barring the obvious two million dollar bounty and a trip to Spain to ring, right? Like. Like barring that, uh, this is the commanderiest of commander cards. Uh, red, red X, spiteful banditry. When it enters a battlefield, it deals X damage to each creature. Whenever one or more creatures your opponents control die, you create a treasure token. This ability triggers only once each turn. Note how it's on an enchantment. So this ability sticks around. So each time you kill creatures with your red cards, such as blasphemous act. Vandal Blast hitting artifact creatures, you're going to generate arbitrary treasure tokens to keep the mana generation flowing. Yep. I think this card has the... This is my called shot. Uh, I think this is going to be the commander staple and the chase mythic of the set. If I pulled this, I would be very excited. And if I pulled a foil one of this, I would put it away and keep it safe until the price spikes. Yeah. Now, one thing I will say I kind of don't like is it does only trigger once per ter- or once each turn. But they also had to do that, otherwise you would be making a plethora of treasure tokens. Yeah, you would have a Dockside Extortionist version 2.0. Like, I'll take a half a Dockside Extortionist that's also a sweeper any day, though. Yep. And then 
it's incremental value throughout the throughout the course of a game. Like, and also, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you kill the creatures in that pod. You could pass turn and your opponent kills two big idiots on your opponent's board, and all of a sudden you got a treasure out of that. Yeah, like that's fine. Yep. So I mean, you're looking at possibly creating three treasures before you even get to your turn. So your mana count's gone up by three for or free. Or could be uh, four. Yeah. If or you did it on your turn, and yep. then they did it on each player's turn. Yeah. No. Even so just, even just playing this at two mana and setting yourself up for success might actually just be worth it. Yes. All right. Uh, then next up here we got fiery inscription. Let me get this up here. Fiery Inscription, I believe, is an uncommon. Yes. All right. When it enters the battlefield, the ring tempts you, and whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it deals two damage to each opponent. This is a power crept Aria of Flame, I think. Yes. Aria of Flame had the real bad drawback of giving 10 life, and if your opponent had the answer to it, you set yourself way further back than ever. Yep. Fiery Inscription doesn't do that. No. Uh, the the Storm crowd has been talking about playing this in the main deck because in Storm and Modern, the problem is right now the ban list has tailored the format for it to where it has to have a creature to succeed yep. or play Empty the Warrens. Empty the Warrens is not good in a World of Fury, so we're not playing that. Chatterstorm, th same thing, not good in a World of Fury. So Fiery Inscription gets the, the mention here because all of a sudden it starts turning your Grape Shot into copies of Lightning Bolt which is very reminiscent of Pyromancer's Swath. Pyromancer's Swath had the negative cost of making you discard a card. So, And a nice thing, too, is like, you... Like, uh, a big problem um, sometimes with the Storm player is that they fizzled out at a low count. And you don't have to worry about that now. If you're looking at doing bolts for each Grape Shot, your Storm count needs to be six. Six to kill them on mo most games at that point. Yeah. Because, I mean, people are going to be fetching. They're going to be doing damage to themselves. And just like with, uh, with Scapeshift, really, I know you're going to be at 18 life. So I only need 7 land. With uh, Fiery Inscription, I only need a Storm Count of 6. Yep. And you, sometimes you're going to need a Storm Card to kill them. Sometimes you just go Red Ritual, Mana Morphos, Cantrip, 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 and all of a sudden they've taken 10. Yeah. After like, you played it on, like, turn 2. Yeah, you don't even have to hit your Grape Shot if this is already on the field. You, you just... Keep playing, and now you're just shocking them with each instant and sorcery you're casting. So this card solves two problems and one for the Storm deck. It's a Pyromancer Swath that doesn't make you discard cards, which is huge, and it doesn't require. And it's not. It's a non-creature playable in the main deck, which is also huge because the deck was pigeonholed into being creature reliant. Yes. Now it's it, now Storm is not creature reliant with this card. So I think we can start talking about getting Goblin Electromancer out of the deck and start playing Fiery Inscription. Oh, man, I cannot wait to dust that one off. Because I've had Storm sitting for so long, and I just I want to get it out there. I think it's worth exploring. Is it the second coming of a Tier 1 Storm deck? I don't think so. But being a side-crept, gutter-snipe, power-crept, pyromancer swath, and being a non-creature good enough for me to say you know what let's dust off the let's dust it off let's go yep all right next up jerry i know you're excited to talk about we got two cards we're going to be talking about for the same deck um on this one and we got ourselves all effect 
Oh boy, elephant. <laughs> My boy. Five in a red for an elephant. That's a six four with trample. Whenever it attacks, another target creature you control gets two zero and gains trample until end of turn. Mountain cycling one. Who's ever casting this? Nobody. No. Uh, this is a this is a living end card through and through. Yep. So we're going to be mountain cycling this to guarantee that we hit our land drops. Yeah. And that, we'll... it's been the biggest issue with Living End is I lose a lot of games or I just never hit the third land. This solves that problem. So I, I foresee Living End playing one copy of this, two copies of this, some number of this card. Not a full playset because I think that's greedy. You don't want to be just drawing only lands, but heh. Onlylands.com. Only <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, that's the name of the episode right there. Onlylands.com. Uh, Onlylands.com. I enjoy that. It's going to be so confusing until they get to the forty-minute mark. All right, but uh, not to hold you up on too much more with this card. It also goes into the Popper Reanimator deck because it self-discards while perpetuating the ability to grab your reds, the uh, a land source to cast your uh, copies of uh, Exhum. Yeah, and being able to give your other uh, big uh, creatures uh, the ability to have trample and a plus two plus zero is always a wonderful thing. Right. All and right go so, ahead. And, go ahead and throw up uh, its buddy right next to it. Generous oh yes, ends. good old generous ends. All right, so let's so, get that one up for y'all. Yep. So generous ent green and five with reach. It's a five seven. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, create a food token and forest cycling. So the question is, is which one do you play over which one? And it really depends on who you are. Uh, Generous Ent, being that it has a bigger, has a seven toughness, means it dodges unholy heat, which Oliphant does not. But Generous Ent allows you to beat Blood Moon more often because it finds a forest, which is a lot more relevant. However, Oliphant allows you to give you it gives a striped river winder or waker waves trample to punch through a bunch of idiots from a seasoned pyromancer or something like that because that's subject to happen against like the scam matchup and such yep. so it really it depends on what you the player are looking for i have found that both of them are fine uh generous and being green means you get to you get to use it with endurance and force of vigor so that's also another upside to the card Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, but, I, I really like both of these, but again, like you were saying, though, and maybe a little greedy to run too many of these. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, there may be a possible. I think the maximum number is two. There's 39 cards and then 19 lands that are just like, this is what the, the, the deck's main 60 is. There's two open slots to really, flex slots to really play with. I think one Oliphant, one Generous Ent. Uh, me, I'm the greed master. I want two Oliphants. I want you dead, and I want you dead fast. Yep. So that's how I see Living End, and that's how I play it. So yeah. both of the cards, uh, and it also goes into that same deck. It goes into the Golgari reanimator shell, because there's two different shells. Um, there is a Jund reanimator, but that one's mana is really awful. Like Geothermal Crevice sucks, because that's what you have to play. So, yeah. Uh, those those two boys right there, the, they're the new treats for Living End. We, we we got treated really well in this set. Yes. All right, the next green card we're going to be talking about here, Delighted Halfling. Uh, yeah. Delighted Halfling coming in at a uh, a one-mana uh, mana dork here. It's a one-two body. Um, taps for a colorless. Cool. But really what we care about on this is adding one mana of any color to cast a legendary spell that cannot be countered. 
So if you want to bring Maverick into modern, this is a good way to start. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I almost liked this a little bit too for like Yogmoth being able to make Yogmoth uncounterable is always a good Ooh. thing. Generally, like you're probably not going to be um casting it, uh, casting your Yogmoth right. You're probably going to be quarter calling for it, but still, this gives you an uncounterable outlet for that or any other legendary spell where you want to provide that protection from counters because you want to you you want to hit it. Uh, yeah, maybe we are interested in this in other decks. I thought this was going to create a new archetype. Making Yawgmoth uncounterable might have just sold me on it. Yeah, I, again, it's something to play with, right? We're not saying this is the exact right place to go. It's just initial thoughts. And no, it's the have... exact right place. I'm saying it. <laughs> Make your Yawg uncounterable. Because that control is like... It's one of its worst matchups has been dealing with counterspell. Yeah. This solves that problem. I yep. say go for it. Play ball. Yeah. I get, give it a shot. Let's see what it can do. Tell me but, I'm wrong or tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'll always take the, no, you're wrong, you're stupid, you haven't played enough Yawgmoth yet. Because it's true, I haven't. But, you know, just we're brainstorming ideas of where we think these cards could possibly land, not where they should land. Right. Speaking of lands, excellent segue here. Now we're going to get into the lands because there, there really wasn't a whole lot of, like, artifacts or multicolor that really stood out. We will get to a couple... But uh, the first land here, Jerry, we're going to be talking about, we're uh, taking an adventure into the Shire, yeah. and we're talking about the Shire. So at the very least, Golgari food was already a deck. It needs a little help, and this is the help. Uh, this is one of the pieces that at least keeps Golgari food into the format. I might have said Golgari lands by accident, whatever. <laughs> Golgar Golgari food, uh, making a food every turn unconditionally is fine if you have something it gives you something to do with additional mana and it's yep. something that that the deck actually has a problem with sometimes yes and um also its ability to enter the battlefield uh untapped if you control a legendary creature hey i mean your food decks run an asthma right might as well just go ahead and uh let this enter the battlefield for free and if you have the mana available go ahead and uh, make a food token so that's one of the great things that, again, yeah, I agree with, is uh, Golgari Food gets a little bit of help there. Um, next up, though, for lands we're going to be talking about, we're going over to uh, Minas Tirith on this one. Yeah, Minas Tirith. Again, the mono-white humans deck, uh, any white-based deck that's attacking with lots of creatures. I don't know if this sees play in Hammer because it almost always comes into play tapped, unless you're playing copies of Skrelv. Yeah. But the upside of giving something, giving you something to do with extra mana because you attacked with like, in the case of white, like I can I can see a turn four where you're out of gas in the white humans deck and you just have one Adeline, but you get to attack with it and the token, and so you get to tap three and draw a card. Like, I think yeah. this is a fine one of in those decks. Kind of the kind of the free like if you're in a mono white deck that attacks with creatures, this is the free legendary land that you get to play one copy of. It's better than the basic planes. Yeah. All right, and we got one more land here you want to talk about, Jerry. Uh, this is the uh, the colorless one. Yep. That comes uh, to us. Shire Terrace. Yes. Uh, nothing. It's it's a side it's a side crept evolving wilds terramorphic expanse for the for popper. Okay. Uh, this one this one adds colorless on the spot. So if your deck runs a lot of colorless cards, there's a few of them in popper. I'm um, looking at. Uh, I can't remember what the Tron deck's colors are, but the Tron deck is going to be interested in Shire Terrace. 
in that it allows you access to its plethora of colors when you need them. It does play colorless cards. Obviously, you're going to want to play a Tron first, but this is utility that the deck wants in yep. Popper. Gotcha. Okay. So, getting a, getting a decent spread here of our thoughts on these cards. Uh, next up, then, we got Flame of Anor here in Multicolor. Comes at us as an Is It spell. Yeah, because Is It needed the friggin' help. <laughs> right. Uh, wow. One yeah. blue and a red for an instant. Choose one. You control a wizard as you cast this spell. So it's important as you cast it. So when this is on the stack, it don't matter if they kill the wizard. You're getting two. So you may choose two instead. Target player draws two cards. Destroy target artifact. Or it deals five damage to target creature. Uh, Man, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. This makes... Like, there was someone in a who went 5-0 in a recent league playing a blue-red Wizards deck where it the whole goal of the deck was it was trying to play the... It played the one-mana common from uh, March of the Machines that adds two to your mana pool, a blue and a colorless. You can only use that mana for activated abilities. But the rest of the deck was Wizard creatures, and it was trying to build their own stifles to prevent people from fetching because it used Nimble Obstructionist and crap like that. But because it also played the wizard cycling card it was like a five mana counter spell with wizard cycling you're always going to have a wizard i think that deck just plays this card yeah no absolutely this is uh straight into wizards um and yeah i agree because i remember when like you had wizards lightning and then um what was the counter spell also with wizards that uh was out as well it's cancel and then it's counter spell if you have a wizard yeah like <laughs> obviously obviously modern we're not playing that we're just going to no. play and we're not yeah. playing Wizards Lightning. We're just playing Lightning Bolt and Counterspell. Yeah, but, but for, like, Pioneer, though, this is where we could... Oh, well, I mean, this isn't seeing Pioneer play, but there are other applications that you can utilize this for, too, though, in your Wizards decks. Yeah, I forgot right. this isn't Pioneer legal for a second. Got slightly excited, and then immediately slapped down and sad. It's almost yeah. like being in the military. Right. Got excited about something for no reason. Exactly. All right, uh, next up here, we got... Another one of our hobbits, Samwise Gamgee. Both the Samwise cards are actually pretty good. Yeah. Who'd have thunk? So in limited, this is the this is the pack rat of the set. Uh, if you pull this, you play this. Uh, I watched a I watched a kid who had never played uh, sealed before. He he pulled this and he won every game he played it. Nice. It is that brutal of a card. Being able to sacrifice three foods to buy back a permanent is brutal. And that also that also leads me into Abzan food as being a deck in modern now. Uh, okay. This alongside your Asmo allows you to do additional things with food tokens if you're not killing things. Because there are some decks where killing things is just not something you do. Yeah. But you're making all this food. What the hell am I gonna do with it? Oh, I'm gonna use I'm gonna use it for value to bring back all these things. So say you have like six food tokens over the course of like two turns because you have these oval chase daredevils and your opponents killed all your things. You get to play a Samwise and there's no limit to the number of times you activate the ability. Yeah. So you get to just buy back, oh, I'm gonna buy back Asmo. I'm gonna buy back uh Crag and Whack Cremator, because it's <laughs> cards played in Asmo decks right now. So it's that option is there. I think that it is very possible that some type of four color or Abzan food deck is in the works here. Yeah, and it helps too that we have all those uh, fetchable trilands now too to fix that mana. 
and get us into the colors we need to be able to slam Gamwise. Uh, Sam, yeah, Gamwise Sam G. Gamwise Sam G. Slam him. Let's go. Yep. All right. And then uh, last up here, uh, Jerry, you wanted this one for the memes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that th- this is for those who have seen the movies, who can kind of quote it a little bit, and uh, who read the books, you've yep. seen the movies, and we know that Shadowfax, Lord of Horses, three red and white, legendary horse, horses you control have haste. Whenever Shadowfax, Lord of Horses attacks, you may put a creature card with lesser power from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. So, uh, Gandalf says specifically in one of these in. One in uh, the first movie, Shadowfax, show them the meaning of haste. For some reason, in an expansion non-standard format, we have an uncommon that's showing us the meaning of haste. Yes. Uh, do, now, do you actually think this card is going to see any kind of play? Ah, uh, commander. Okay. It's actually, uh, it, it's a like it's a horse lord that gives it's a it's the first horse legendary of multiple colors. Gotcha. So, so I could see a like. Oh, someone's gonna try to do horses in commander. Uh, but outside of any real play, nah, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, like f- five mana for a four four with haste, and other horses get haste. Uh, I really haven't seen too many horses get played in eternal formats. But if this, if this were a common popper, yeah, gotcha. I would be, I would be interested in reanimating it alongside various common horses from the, uh, from previous eras of Magic. That would be entertaining to me. Okay. Well, those were the cards that we uh, enjoyed and uh, think could stand out. I would love to hear what you all have to think. What cards do you think people are going to be sleeping on? Uh, What cards do you think are going to be good in other decks when it comes to Modern Legacy? And that, if any, right? Because you never know with the new set. There's always a speculation this could be good. Uh, And as a lot of us have seen on paper, it might seem fine. But then in practicality, it's really just not that good and you shouldn't have done it. Um, be sure to uh, stay tuned for the rest of our episodes. Uh, we have started our open series documentary, if you will, where we talk about the rise and fall of Star City Games open series. Uh, episode one is uh, posted, and we'll be getting episodes two and three of that series also out as we talk about the growth and downfall of a wonderful series that sadly is no longer with us. Now, be sure to check us out on all podcasting outlets, as well as all social medias. Just look up at Team Snapcast or The Snapcast and look for that beautiful trademark P. There it is. And um, you'll be able to, uh, you know, listen in on all of our wonderful content. And uh, also be sure to check out our sponsors, Deep Dive Games down in uh, Southeast Georgia. Uh, It is the premier magic shop to go to, as well as for tabletop miniatures, RPGs, and any of your other gaming needs. But that's going to do it for us today. Y'all have a fantastic evening and uh, hope to see some of y'all in Chicago. Oh, snap.